Good evening and welcome to our Sunday night study of the book of Revelation. I'm Pastor Chris Hall, pastor of Mercedes Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia. And on Sunday nights here in our sanctuary, we have been studying the book of Revelation and we're getting very close to the conclusion of our study. And tonight we'll be reading from Revelation chapter 21, verses 4 through 8. And we will uh, continue our look at the new heaven and the new earth. We began that uh, look at that subject, the new heaven and the new earth, last week in our study. And we'll continue that tonight as we look from Revelation chapter 21, verses 4 through 8. And in Revelation 21... The Apostle John, the human author of the book of Revelation, was given a marvelous privilege, a beautiful view of the eternal home of God's people, the new heaven and the new earth. We have gone through the tribulation in our study of the book of Revelation. We have gone through the millennial reign of Christ, the beginning of the new heaven and the new earth. And so that's where we are currently in the timeline of the book of Revelation. Tonight, we look at the eternal home of God's people. It's described for us, for us in Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. Tonight, again, we're in verses 4 through 8 of Revelation 21. So let's read these verses together. Here's what the Bible says in these verses. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Talking about the eyes of believers. Those who have trusted in Christ. Those who are saved. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne. That's the Lord Jesus said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Jesus said to John, Write, for these words I am telling you now are true and faithful. And John wrote, and he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirst." He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son, my child. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. And so tonight we continue our look at the eternal home of God's people, the new heaven and the new earth. Now the new heaven and the new earth will be different from the present world in which we live in, in many wonderful ways. First of all, from these verses, I want us to look at the no mores, the no mores of the new heaven and the new earth. Again, Revelation 21, verse 4. 
and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, and no, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. First of all, I want us to see that in the new heaven and the new earth, the eternal abode of God's people, much different from the present world in which we're living in, in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no tears. There will be no tears of sadness. There will be no tears of disappointment. There will be no tears of pain or hardship or remorse or regret. There will be no tears over the death of loved ones. There will be no tears in the new heaven and the new earth for any reason. Think of all of the tears that we shed in this world for many dis different reasons. Sometimes they're tears of joy, yes, but mostly those tears that we shed are tears of, of hurt and pain and guilt and remorse and regret. But in the new heaven and the new earth, the eternal abode of God's people, there will be no more tears. Now someone is asked, and rightly so, if we're in the new heaven and the new earth, and one of our loved ones is not there, they didn't trust in Christ, they're not believers in Jesus, and they don't go to heaven, the new heaven and the new earth, Will we not shed tears over the absence of our loved ones on earth who are not in heaven? Will we not remember them and shed tears that they are not where we are in eternal glory? Well, the Bible really doesn't answer that question specifically, but it does give us an indication of how that will be handled in the eternal abode. In heaven, the memory of the lost, the Bible teaches, the memory of the lost, including the memory of our lost loved ones, will be blotted out forever. Isaiah 26, verse 14. Here's what the Bible says in that passage. They are dead. They will not live they are deceased, they will not rise. That is speaking of unbelievers. Therefore you have punished and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. So no, we will not shed tears over our lost loved ones who did not make it into eternal glory as God wipes away our tears as we enter into the new heaven and the new earth, the memory of our lost loved ones will be wiped away as well. Second of all, the Bible teaches that there will be no death in heaven. The greatest curse of all will be no more in the new heaven and the new earth. The Bible says that death will be swallowed up in victory. Death will come to an end. There will be no death in the new heaven and the new earth. And Satan, the great 
perpetrator of death. And the Bible personifies death itself. And this passage personifies death itself and says that Satan and death itself will be cast into the lake of fire. There will be no death in the new heaven and the new earth. No separation from God or from our loved ones in the new heaven and the new earth. Then this passage tells us that there will be no more mourning or crying in heaven. No tears, no mourning, nor crying in heaven. There will be nothing in heaven that will cause us to have sorrow or grief or trouble or distress. This passage says that there will be no more pain in the new heaven and the new earth. No pain in any form. There will be no spiritual pain, no emotional pain, no physical pain. Our glorified, sin-free bodies will not be subject to any kind of pain in the new heaven and the new earth. Now, let me tell you, we're not going to be robots in the new heaven and the new earth. In fact, the Bible teaches this, who you are on earth is who you will be in heaven. The Bible teaches that when you were saved, when you gave your life to Christ, your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, what name is that? What identity is that? That's your earthly name. Your earthly name was written in the Lamb's book of life when you gave your life to Christ. So who you are on earth is who you will be in heaven. We will retain our personalities, but we will be glorified. We'll be in the presence of the Lord. We won't be robots, and we won't be floating around on clouds in heaven playing upon some harps. No, we'll be who we are, yet we will be a perfected form of who we are. And we will laugh, and we will have joy, and we will have fellowship. We will look forward to each day that there is in heaven. We don't really have just a small inkling. We have just a small inkling of what it will be like to be in the eternal presence of God and to enjoy all that God has prepared for His people. This passage also teaches that there will be no more former things in heaven. The new heaven and the new earth will be completely free of what we find in abundance in this world. The new heaven and the new earth, in the new heaven and the new earth, there'll be no evil. None of the sinful things, the evil things that characterize this world in which we live in. In the new heaven and the new earth, there'll be no mourning, suffering. There'll be no sorrow or disease or pain or death. There'll be no disorder, no decay, no decline. There'll be no waste. What a glorious place that God is preparing for His people. 
And again, when you get to heaven, you're going to be who you are now, but you're going to be glorified, a glorified reality of who you are now. And it's going to be glorious. I had a young man ask me one time, he said, Brother Chris, is heaven like a long, one long church service? <laughs> and he had a vision of heaven just being one long church service with one hymn after another. And it, frankly to him, was not very appealing. And to be honest with you, that wouldn't be very appealing to me as well. I love worship. But eternity in such a way, I don't know. That wouldn't be very appealing to me as well. No. In heaven, we'll have wonderful times of worship. We'll have scheduled times of worship. Worship When the saints of all of the ages and the angels will come together and will worship our God. Can you imagine? But also, there'll be spontaneous times of worship. You might have a heavenly garden. And as you're hoeing in your garden, you'll just be worshiping the Lord. You might love to play golf, and maybe there's some beautiful golf courses in the new heaven and the new earth. And maybe you're enjoying a round of golf, and as you do, you'll be praising God for who He is and all that He is. No, in heaven, it's not going to be a, a boring place. People think that heaven will be boring. Oh, my friend, this world is boring. The world we're living in right now is boring. There's nothing boring about the new heaven and the new earth. There's nothing boring about the eternal presence of God for all of eternity. We will explore all of the goodness and all of the grace of God. And when we've been there 10,000 years, we will have only just begun to really explore all that God is and all that He has prepared for His people. No, heaven will not be boring. This world is boring. Not eternity. Not by any means at all. Now this section closes with two powerful declarations. Number one, God certifies that what is written here is absolutely true. The one who sat on the throne certifies that what has just been written, what has just been communicated to John the Apostle is absolutely true. God puts His certification on this. This is not some pie-in-the-sky thing. This is not a myth. This is not a fantasy. This is reality. This is what the new heaven and the new earth will be like. But even with this description, it only begins to scratch the surface of all how marvelous the new heaven and the new earth will be for God's people. The second thing that is said in the closing of this particular part of the verses we read is this, that the God of the Bible is the one who certifies that this is true. The God of the Bible is the one who sits on the throne of the universe. The God of the Bible, the only God there is, He's the one who brings redemption history to its conclusion. He is the one, the God of the Bible. He is the one who creates the new heaven and the new earth. The God of the Bible is the creator of all things. He is the controller of history. He is the Alpha and the Omega. <laughs> he is the beginning 
and the end. So we've seen the no mores of the new heaven and the new earth. Second of all, let's look at the residents of the new heaven and the new earth. Who's going to be in the new heaven and the new earth? Again, verses 6 and 7, I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. And he who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he will be my son, my child. Two phrases in this passage describe those who will live in the new heaven and the new earth. First of all, those who thirst will be in heaven. What does that mean? Well, it means those who were hungry and thirsty in this world to know God. Those who were desperate. When you're hungry and thirsty, you're desperate. You have nothing else on your mind. You have a great need, a great passionate need. You're hungry, you're thirsty, and that controls your heart and your mind and everything you, you do. Those who were hungry and thirsty to know God, those who were desperate to find God, those who passionately sought after God and found Him through Jesus Christ. Those are the ones who will be in the new heaven and the new earth. Those who were willing to humble themselves. Those who were willing to admit their spiritual lostness and their need. Those who were willing to obey the gospel and surrender control of their life to God and to receive Jesus Christ, His Son, as their Savior and Lord. Those are the ones who will be in heaven. But those who played games with God, those who thought that, hey, I'm doing God a favor by, quote, believing in Him, end quote, those whose faith was casual and convenient, those who thought, you know, it would be a good thing to add God and maybe church membership to my life. Those who joined the church without ever being saved. Those who never hungered and thirsted after God and passionately surrendered their life to Him. Those people will not be in heaven. Only the thirsty those who passionately sought for God and His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness. Not only will the thirsty be in heaven, but also the overcomers, this passage says, will be in heaven. According to 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5, the overcomer, who's the overcomer? The overcomer is the one who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Overcomers, those who refuse to allow sin and evil and the unbelief of this world to keep them from coming to God. Those who refuse to allow the, the pursuit of riches and possessions and the acclaim of this world to keep them from coming to God through Christ. Those who refuse to allow anything in this world, any obstacle in this world, from putting their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, those are the ones who will be in heaven. A 
According to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, in heaven God will give to those who overcome an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. <laughs> so who's going to be in heaven? The thirsty. Those who passionately sought God and found Him through Christ. The overcomers. Those who refuse to allow anything in this world to keep them from coming to Jesus and giving their life to Him. Those are the ones that will be in heaven. Notice that nothing is said here about denominations. Nothing is said here about ethnicity. Nothing is here, here is said about culture or color. Nothing is said in here in this passage about that. But here, here's what the Bible says. Those who will be in heaven are those who were thirsty for God and those who overcame anything in this world to keep them from coming to Christ. Those who were thirsty and those who were overcomers. I pray that's true of you. I pray that you haven't played games with God. I, I pray that you haven't just joined a church without giving your life to Christ. I'm afraid there are many people, and the Bible even confirms it, many people who have a churchanity, but they don't have a Christianity. Many people who have joined the church without ever putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I pray that's true of you, my friend. I pray that you are hungry for God and thirsty for God to know God, and you have not allowed anything to keep you from giving your life to Christ, anything in this world. So the hungry, the thirsty, the overcomers will be in heaven. And then this passage tells us those who will not be in heaven. Verse 8, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Every unforgiven lost sinner, every person who rejected God's grace and mercy, every person who refused the salvation that God freely offered through the sacrifice of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, every person who said no to God, every person who lived in rejection of Jesus Christ and in rebellion against God, every person who lived in such a way, they will not be in heaven. Now this, these verses list just some of the sins which characterize the lost. Yes. The cowardly. The cowardly are those who were afraid to follow Christ. Those who love their sin and those who love this world and the things of God more than Jesus, they were afraid to give their life to Jesus Christ. The cowardly will not be in heaven. The unbelieving will not be there. Those who refuse to believe to believe the truth and the testimony of the Word of God. Those who refuse to believe the testimony of the people of God 
and of the Spirit of God. Those who refuse to give their life to Jesus Christ, those people will not be in heaven. The abominable, those who gave themselves to vile wickedness and evil, those who were morally polluted and detestable, giving evidence of the fact that they never trusted in Christ, they lived this kind of lifestyle. They're not lost because they live this lifestyle. They're lost because they have rejected Christ. And the result is living an abominable life. John says that murderers, this is a particularly vicious word for murderers, speaks of those who maliciously and savagely kill other people. Those people will not be in heaven. The sexually immoral, those who unrepentantly, never repenting, practice in their life fornication, adultery, homosexuality, and all forms of sexual sin, those who live that kind of lifestyle, giving evidence that they have never been born again, those people will not be in the new heaven and the new earth. Sorcerers will not be there. This would include all those who traffic in evil spirits. It's interesting that the word sorcerer is the same word from which we get our words pharmacy and pharmaceuticals. It is the Greek word pharmakeia. Ancient sorcerers would give those who would want to follow them illicit drugs that would cause hallucinations and that would cause all manner of reaction in the life of those to which they, they gave their concoctions. And then they would tell those people, you're seeing God. I, I brought God into your life as they had these hallucinations. Sorcerers will not be there. Modern day sorcerers, by the way, are drug pushers. Drug pushers. Those who work to enslave and ensnare people into vicious and vile drug addiction. Idolaters will not be in heaven, those who worship false gods, those who are involved in false religion, those who put any object, any pursuit, or any person in the place that only God should have in their life. Yes, there's many idolaters in America. Not necessarily people who worship false gods, but people who worship other things who put other things in the place that only God should have in their life, giving evidence of the fact that they've never been born again. God is not at the center of their life. Something else is. Liars will not be in heaven. Those who practice, those whose lives are characterized by lies and deception, they will not be in heaven people whose lives are characterized by this kind of behavior, by this kind of conduct, give evidence of the fact that they're not saved. 
and they will not enter into the heavenly city. They never repented. They never repented of their sins. They never repented of their rejection and rebellion of God. And they will not be in heaven. My friend, everyone who dies does not go to heaven. But they can. Even these kinds of people who live this kind of life, they can be saved <laughs> if they will repent. They can be born again. They can be changed by Almighty God. He can save them and change their heart and their mind, and He'll, he'll change their behavior and their conduct as He changes their heart and their mind. If they will repent, if they will trust in Christ, He will deliver them from this kind of behavior and this kind of life. In the church at Corinth, there were all kinds of sinners, people whose lives were characterized by different kinds of sins, giving evidence of the fact that they had never been born again. But listen to what Paul said to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Do you not know, he said, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? The unsaved, those who are not born again, they, are not, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They're not going to heaven. Do not be deceived, he said. Those whose lives are characterized by fornication, idolatry, adultery, homosexuality, sodomy, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, those whose lives are characterized by those kinds of things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul said this to the church at Corinth, some of you in that church, such were some of you. Some of you used to live that way. But something happened. You repented of that. You turn from that lifestyle. You turn to God. You accepted Christ. And you were washed. You were saved. You were sanctified. You were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. God's grace is greater than all sin. And no matter what sin a person's life may be characterized by or of, they can be born again if they will repent and give their life to Jesus Christ. Oh, what a beautiful place heaven must be. And how beautiful the new heaven and the new earth will be, the final abode of God's people. Hallelujah and glory. I pray that you have trusted in Jesus Christ and you have the blessed assurance that Jesus is yours. And you know in your heart you've been born again because of His grace and mercy. My friend, if you're not a Christian, you may doubt what we have talked about tonight is true, but I want to tell you, God certified it. He said what He has said is true and faithful. It is absolutely true. And you can believe it. And you must believe it. And you must receive Christ to be saved and have a home in the new heaven and the new earth. And I pray you'll give your life to Christ today. 
Thank you for joining us tonight for our study of the book of Revelation. We'll continue our study next week. Next week, we're going to look at that heavenly city, the new Jerusalem. And what a marvelous look that's going to be as we continue our study of the book of Revelation. Our prayer is that God will bless you. And thank you for joining us tonight. This is Pastor Chris Hall of Mercedes Baptist Church. And my prayer is that God will bless you as you love him.